Thank you for your presence today. Soul searching can be an unenviable task, particularly if we are unwilling to stand before God and see ourselves as He sees us. Are we truly living for Christ? Are we bearing witness of true salvation? Or are we just going through the motions without fruit that bears true conversion? Are we dealing with our spiritual deficiencies? Are we confessing and repenting of our sins and depending on God to strengthen us? Listen with Bible pen and paper handy as Pastor Rander imparts wisdom to us today. So if you have your Bibles, turn with us to uh, the book of Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. Now keep your Bibles open because we're going to be referencing a number of scriptures. You really want to take notes on this message because this message is going to build up your spiritual life. It's going to build up your children. It's going to build up your families. Matter of fact, I got more message than you got time. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. Uh, the title of this message is A Soul Searching Evaluation for Families. A soul-searching evaluation for marriage and families. Part one. The family is under fierce attack by Satan. Family is being attacked by demons. And even this world's system is assaulting the family unit. Satan hates the family and will use every resource at his disposal to destroy the family through anger. Satan will destroy the family through drugs, alcohol, divorce, separation. He uses violence, abuse, greed, sexual immorality. Satan uses selfishness, pride, and so many more things, just to name a few. This particular message is a soul-searching evaluation. It is an assessment. It is actually a test. A test. And it is for the purpose of evaluating the strengths and weaknesses of the spiritual state of our own families. It is urgent that we ask the Lord to such our hearts to purge out any sin, to purge out any wickedness, In order to bring revival, spiritual restoration, healing, and unity to our families. If we're going to experience revival and see God do extraordinary things in families, we are most wise indeed if we would just sit down and be still before the Lord, examine ourselves, evaluate our families, evaluate our personal lives, the spiritual condition of our families and do some earnest soul searching to make the necessary spiritual adjustments to strengthen and build up the family unit. That's one thing to do an assessment. It is one thing to do an evaluation, but it's another thing to make some serious spiritual adjustments in light of the evaluation. What is an evaluation without adjustments? So how many of you want to do better as a husband, better as a wife? How many of you want to do better as children? How many of you want to see your families go to the next level to the glory of God? Well, if you want to do that, you need to write the principles down, then apply the principles. Don't just be hearers of the word, be doers of the word, and then watch God bring transformation to your families like 
the likes of which you've never seen. With that being said, what are some probing questions we need to ask ourselves to evaluate the spiritual condition of our families? What are some probing questions we need to ask ourselves to evaluate the spiritual condition of our families? Number one, first of all, do you know without a doubt that you as a, as husbands, wives, and children have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you know without a doubt that you as husband, wives, and children have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? It all starts with salvation. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, which is the text we're starting with, says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. The Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 6 says, Jesus said unto him, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, and no man, no one comes to the Father but by me. The only way you can get to heaven is to get through Jesus. The only way you can get to the Father is through Jesus. You got to know that you know you know you've been born again. The scripture also says in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You shall be saved. You, you have, you have to confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Son of God, that he is God, he is the Lord, and that he died on the cross for your sins, buried and raised according to the scripture, and shall believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Beloved, only God can rescue your family from the power of sin, the penalty of sin, and one day the presence of sin. Only God alone is able to save and rescue you from the power of sin, the penalty of sin, and the, the one day the presence of sin. And apart from Christ, you can do nothing. What can you do apart from Christ? John 15, 5 says nothing. But with Christ, there is no problem in your family. There is no issue in your family. There is no difficulty in your family. There is no circumstance in your family that God cannot fix, that God cannot deliver you from. But first, you must know the Savior personally. There is no rescuing you without Christ There's no deliverance without Christ. There's no help without Christ. You have to know him personally. Secondly, are you experiencing the assurance of your salvation? Now, some people are saved. Some saints are saved, but they're not experiencing the assurance of his or her salvation. It is very possible to be saved, but lack the assurance of your salvation. It is also possible to think that you possess salvation and be self-deceived and not saved at all. 
And that's a terrible state to be in, to think you're saved when the fact is you're not saved at all. Many when asked, are they saved, they respond like this. Uh, you ask somebody, are you saved? Uh, I hope so. Uh, I think I am. Oh, I- I've been baptized, but baptism doesn't save you. I'm a member of a church, but being a member of the church doesn't save you. That's a good thing. Now, once you're saved, you need to be a member of a church. Oh, I serve in ministry. Do you realize there are people who are serving in ministry that know not the Lord? You cannot get to heaven through work salvation. You don't work to be saved. You work because you are saved. So you got to first have an intimate personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And because of that relationship, you bear fruits of that salvation, fruits of righteousness because of being born again, you serve the King of glory, the Lord Jesus Christ. Beloved, these kinds of answers does not give you the the assurance of your salvation. If you want to know And if you want to be sure of your salvation, I'm going to just give you a few scriptures. I could give you many, many more, but for the sake of time, let me give you a few. And if you meditate and grasp and internalize these scriptures, you will have the assurance of your salvation. The Gospel of John chapter 5 verse 24 says, Most assuredly I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. You hear the word, you believe the word, you live the word. A lot of folk hear the word, but they don't believe the word. There are others who say they believe the word, but they don't act on the word they believe. They are not doers of the word. First John 3.14, first John 3.14 says, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. You got to love people. You got to love your brothers and sisters in Christ. You have to love me. You have to love one another. You have to love people regardless of their socioeconomic status. You have to love people regardless of whether you like them or not. Matter of fact, you can't just like them. You got to love them. As a matter of fact, you got to love the unlovable. If you only love folk uh, that love you, well, you haven't done much. You got to love black folk. You got to love white folk. You got a problem if you don't love me. I got a problem if I don't love you. You got a problem if you don't love other races. We all came from one blood. We all are descendants of Adam and Eve, whether you want to accept that or not. It is the gospel truth. But don't just, it's, it's getting quiet in here. God hates racism. Never uh, despise a person because they don't look like you. Uh, uh, never look down a per- on a person because they're uneducated, uh, because of their job status, uh, anything. They have, everybody God created is fearfully and wonderfully made, uniquely created in the image of God. And they are bearing the image of God. And with that being said, you need to love people because God created people. It's a few amens in here, but the truth is worth saying. 
And I'm going to keep, I'm, I, I might stay on that point the rest of the sermon until you really get it because some of y'all struggle because there's so much racism in America, racism in the world. And then uh, if you, if there's racism in the church, then what hope ha- has the world? I mean, we have to be on one accord before we can reach the world. Amen. We have to love each other before and take this love out there. We already see politics can't fix racism. Uh, yeah, no, you, the, the job, the workplace can't fix racism, but Jesus can. You got to love the brethren. The scripture says it's in your Bible if you haven't torn out that page. He who does not love his brother abides in death. That's the Bible. First John, you want the assurance of your salvation. First John chapter five verses 11 through 13 also says, and this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 12, he who has the son has life. You've got Jesus living in your soul. The life of the Lord Jesus Christ living in your soul. You have life. He who does not have the son, Christ, the son of God, God, the son, Jesus Christ, does not have life. You're walking Dead man or woman, spiritually dead, physically alive, but spiritually dead, physically alive, but on your way to hell. You may be cute, but you're on your way to hell. You may have money and a nice car, but you're on your way to hell, live in a nice community, the nicest of home, uh, have nice real estate, uh, nice uh, nice uh, assets and retirement, but if you know not the Lord, you're going to hell and you're going to leave everything you got right here. My Bible tells me, verse 12 here, he who has a son has life. He who does not have the son does not have life. What kind of life? Eternal life. Everlasting life. You have the life of God living in the soul. Verse 13. These things I have written in this book to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know from this book and have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. You can't believe God today and not believe in tomorrow. You got to keep on believing. When you're going through difficult hardships, times, struggles, injustice, betrayal, keep on believing. If you don't have God, what else? who else can you put your hope in? Where do I go? When the storms of life are raging, who do I turn to when nobody wants to listen? Who do I lean on when no, when there is no foundation stable? I tell you what I do. I'm going to the rock. I know he's able. I'm going to the rock of ages cleft in me. The Lord, let me hide myself in thee. Why? Because he is the anchor of our hope. My friends, without possessing assurance of salvation, you will not live the victorious Christian life. I reiterate, without possessing assurance of your salvation, you will not 
live the victorious Christian life. You instead, you will waver. You will be unstable. You will have doubts if you're not sure about your salvation. You will not make spiritual progress if you're not sure about your salvation. You will not be able to minister to your family, minister to the church, in the workplace, and to those who cross your path if you don't have the certainty of your assurance of your salvation. Number three in this test. I hope you are making a hundred by now. Number three. Is your family growing in Christ? Is your family growing in Christ? Second Peter chapter three verse 18 says, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God expects us to grow. Grow, grow spiritually. Uh, just like you're growing physically, you, you, you don't stay, uh, in a, uh, a, a spiritual babyhood and, and, and you're, you're six month old size unless something is genetically wrong and you 40 years old, you normal children grow and we ought to be growing spiritually. The Bible commands us to grow. Some of you fight spiritual growth. That's why you struggle to get to church. That's why one drop of rain and people seeing floods. The wind blows a little bit and they see tornadoes. And, and yet they go, they, they go to work in time to have coffee, uh, through all kinds of inclement weather. That's when you want to grow. Now, we had a concert in here this morning uh, with one of the Christian celebrities who can really sing. We have a line all the way out to 1604 because people love their music and they love to jump and holler and move and scream. But when it comes to the preaching of the word, some of you get your best sleep in the house of God. And then you have the audacity to lie in church and say, I'm praying. You're not praying. You sleep. You sleep. Grow. I mean, some people preaching make them sleepy. Whereas preaching gets me on the edge of my seat. You say I'm so sleepy in church. It's because you don't go to bed. Stop. Cut the television off. Get off the internet. Get off the cell phone. Stop busying yourself. Go to sleep so you can worship God. Stay up and hear the word and be, you know, the word will refresh you. Ephesians chapter four, verses 14 and 15 also says, then we will no longer be immature. You know why some church fight and have a lot of arguments? It's because they're immature. And the more immature the church, the more quarrels they're going to have, the more fights. Now, every church will have problems. But when you have the word saturating the church, you will have fewer problems. And those without the word have a mountain of problems. You see, uh, then then we will no longer be immature like children. This is my seat, my parking lot. I let that song, she sang in my song. Oh, la, 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 la. Oh, come on and grow up. When you're going to grow up, we won't, listen, when you're in the word, we won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. 
You see, be leery, uh, be, be, be hesitant to receive new teachers. Somebody say, I got a new word. No new word. Same old book. Same old book. I got a new word. No, no, no. It's an old revelation given from God through the Holy Ghost. That's right. I got a new word from this book. I got a new revelation. The Lord told me to tell you. I don't need, I don't need a second or third party. If God wants me to know something, I can get it straight from heaven through this one book. Do I have a witness here? I don't need you to tell me what God told you that God somebody said to somebody else that said to somebody else. God, listen, God's word is enough. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will be influenced when people try to, look, we will not be influenced when people try to trick us with clever, clever lies. Uh, 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 it's sounding like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love. Now, some of you speak the truth, but you're nasty with it. I mean, you just said something that someone need to hear, but they couldn't receive it because you were so ugly with the truth. We can receive the truth when it's spoken with gentleness and love and grace. And you can't do that till you're growing up. Listen, you, why don't you shut up and sit down? No, you don't tell somebody, won't you shut up and sit down? That is, that's not nice. Um, why don't you be a little more reserved? And, uh, have you ever thought about being a good listener? And do you realize, uh, you learn more when you do more listening than talking? Why don't you try that? You'll find out it really works. Now you see, I've said the same thing. But I didn't kill the person's spirit. Some of you, you killed the spirit. You killed it. You told the truth, but the person's paralyzed. Ooh. You killed them. You killed them. They no good. They out. One, two, three, out. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way, more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body. What body? The church. This is the church. Do not expect your children to grow in Christ if you as parents are backslidden. See, backslidden parents can't help the children grow. Now, if you're not attending church, you're not, you're not in Sunday school, you're not in one ministry, you don't give sacrificially to the Lord. You're backslidden. There are parents who are spiritually immature. There are parents who are untrained in the things of God. There are parents who give their children more ball than Bible. They, the cheerleading practice, this practice, that basketball, football, soccer ball, ball, ball. 18 years of ball, and when they hit the first calamity, they're crushed because the ball couldn't help them. And you, and the fact is, you, you, you are just pounding, pounding, pounding ball at ball and athletics because you want to live your life through the children. You hope they make the major league. You hope they make the NFL and pay your house off. 
You got an agenda. So you ball and ball and ball and ball. Sport complexes are full on Sunday morning when most churches got seats. You can just pick your seat and pick your parking lot. But go down the road. Eight o'clock in the morning, they hustling. The coach is blowing the whistle. The kids are running up and down the courts. The parents are irate screaming. There is no spirituality in a football. I like what Coach Rackley said so many years ago. He, the great football coach of Judson, he said, "I like football, but only a football can do. A football can only do so much." He said, standing right over there, talking to a whole host of youth. He said, "I love football. We have championships, but some things football can't do." He said, "You can throw a football." He said. You can kick a football. He said you can punt a football, but you can't stand on a football. He said only thing you can stand on is the word of God. <laughs> and that's that's the coach. <laughs> parents, what are you teaching your children to stand on? Be mindful as parents, you cannot teach what you don't possess. I'm giving you so many sh- Now some of y'all choked already. And I, I and I, I got a few more to go. And some of y'all can't. I, I got to tell you the truth. Only the truth gonna set you free. You can't teach what you don't have. You can't teach what you don't possess. Therefore, as parents, you must redeem the time. Buy, that means buy up the time. Redeem. Make the most of the time and grow up so you can build a strong spiritual foundation in the lives of your precious children. As confessed believers in the only true and living God, we miss out on countless blessings due to our lack of faithfulness, obedience, and service. The Bible tells us that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Everything we need is at our disposal. When will we trust God enough to believe and depend on His Word? If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching by Pastor Rander, please visit us at Maranatha Bible Church, located at 7855 East Loop 1604 North in Converse, Texas, or call us at 210-821-5683.